welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka the media can't fix your hockey team, but it can fix you. I'm your host, Alex Darty, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Link, today. Boy, the Preds are officially, we hope, at rock bottom. The team is 6-9 and nine through 15 games, having just split the two games against Detroit, which is the consensus worst team in the league heading into the season, along with Ottawa. Um, the Predators actually got outscored against Detroit 6-5 to five in the two games. Um, the focus of the Preds' struggles this week has been almost exclusively focused on David Poyle. John Hines has plenty to blame, has, has shares plenty of the blame, but David Poyle is really suspect number one across the board at this point. We are going to discuss why David Poyle's departure would really be the only fix for the Preds at this point. It's the only option. Um, because the Preds are doing nothing well anywhere on the ice. Everything is terrible. It's all a complete mess. Uh, but having said that, is there hope on the horizon? Link and I are going to try to find it. Uh, if it's possible, is is there hope anywhere? Uh, so, Link, are you ready to address some pretty big questions today? Yeah, as as a, a honorary member of of the media in sort of in in some ways, uh, I am ready to fix everyone who's listening. <laughs> you know, last night there were some issues with people that people had with the media, and I think most most of the media just kind of took it very lightly and was just like, "Oh, come on, this is ridiculous." But I'm now I'm starting to think like I think people actually think we do have some influence or something that that like on the actual team like that there's some way that we can influence the play on the ice. So I've been I've been um, for lack of a better word uh, maybe or because maybe I'm being a little lazy today uh, like denigrating National Predators since like 2006 or seven I don't know um, maybe 2010 was when I really got started. Um, so I, I don't think anyone has any impressions that I can fix anything. I think I think they know that I'm mostly good at pointing at things and, and getting uh, mad that they're happening because it's obviously stupid. Right, uh, right, right. But yeah, no, I there's I think there's this still this lingering uh, sense in the fan base that the media that covers the Predators are still way too soft on the team. Um or soft in certain in or really soft in, on like certain parts of the team and the front office often gets like a free pass to do whatever they want and, um, and have, i mean i have no idea what that means i don't know what it means to be soft in the media soft questions asking soft questions not you know being critical not breaking down the team being on i think there's because for a long time that was the way the predators were covered you know, like there was so little local news media coverage for Nashville that that's where the blogging scene really blew up because uh-huh. you had all these people just basically volunteering their free time to cover a team that had a minimal amount of coverage. But yeah. since you weren't media, there wasn't a lot of power in the market. So you had to really play nice. You had coverage, but what you ended up having was really like cheesecake coverage. So, you know, you had to play by very strict rules. And you had to play really nice, or you weren't going to get the things that were driving traffic to your blog. Um, yeah. And that was the that was the case for. Oh man, I, I think it was true up until maybe the start of the Lafayette years, maybe a little bit after that you saw any real change. And I, I yeah, a lot I, of the incumbents would probably disagree, um, and I think they're quite wrong. But I also respect them because um, they have done a lot of great work. 
I don't want to get totally off topic to begin, but I <laughs> do need to understand that there are members of the media that are paid by the predators. And if you're only yes. focusing on those people, yeah, you need, you are going to hear some pretty soft softball questions. But if you're only listening to the team that to the media that's paid by the predators, or at least paid by people who are covering, who are in the rights to the predators, uh, like the, the broadcast, for example, mm -hmm. uh, then you are doing it wrong. Then you are trying to experience the wrong the wrong type of media. You need to realize who those people are and who pays them. Uh, listening to people like us, or uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say some names: Justin Bradford at Penley Box Radio. If you listen to Adam Bing, if you read or read or uh, listen to on the radio, uh, Adam Bingen, uh, th these people I think are all the people that on the forecheck who I used to work with, I think are nothing but tough. I mean, I think uh, from my this is this is new. Yeah, this is a new thing. This wasn't yeah. all. This was not the case. Yes. It's it's the current crop. Correct. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, having having said that, let's go ahead and get to the to the topic of the show. Yeah. Of the show. Um, so this week, uh, I, I actually don't want to break down the games very much at all because uh, we we all. No, the Predators already did that for us. Do what? The Predators already broke the games down for us. Yeah, they certainly did. They they broke all the games. Two losses to Tampa Bay Lightning, four to one on Monday, six to one on Tuesday. Uh, there was almost no chance for the Predators in those games. Tampa is a, a Stanley Cup champion, and they probably will repeat. Uh, the Preds had no answers. We don't even need to break down the games. I can't think of anything that went well. Uh, then they have, on Thursday, a 3-2 to two win over Detroit. Uh, some keys to that one. Pecorine was really good. He shined. Uh, against the Detroit. He was really good and shined against Detroit. Yeah, against Detroit. This is against the Red Wings of Detroit. Uh, power, the power play scored. Dante Fabro had that late winner who, I, as soon as I saw that go in, I think I tweeted this. All that means is we're gonna get a whole lot more shots from the blue line. Yeah. That's why? Why? Uh, why take good chances when you can take 0.2 percent? Yeah. You know, blind. I, granted, I mean, it was on net, and the, there were so many bodies in front that it was really well screened. But yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, that's just a whole bunch of different factors coming together to create a perfect moment. Those don't happen. Exactly. Yeah. The, a lot. The, 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 the the luck involved with that is so much uh, larger than the chances that you're going to score. It's just it's it's not a very high percentage play, but the Predators do it all the time. And and what I think is interesting about Thursday's win is it was kind of a preview of what we saw Saturday night because the Predators did not really play as well as we probably would have expected against Detroit on Thursday, and then on Saturday, uh, a a crap show. <laughs> As we saw the Detroit Red Wings, possibly a number one overall pick this year, come in and basically just basically beat them down. I mean, it was four. It was three nothing. Was it four nothing? I think it was four nothing. And then it became four one, and then four. The final was four two. The two the two goals the Predators scored were just garbage goals. I mean, the first one was complete luck, and then the last one was in the last like two minutes of the game. Um, it was it was terrible. The Predators offense had nothing going against the Detroit Red Wings defense. In being being generous, they're not even considered in the top half of the like league right now in terms of defense. Um uh Jonathan Bernier, who's like 33 or something, was in goal and he Bernier and Grice, I mean like yeah. that's the tandem you're going up against. Grice yeah, is uh, like if there was a Hall of Fame for backup goaltenders, Grice would be in it. But like He's a he's a career backup. Bernier is barely. I mean, he had a few years, but he's mostly uh -huh. been a backup. 
So uh, they lose four to two. Um, they split two games with Detroit. So uh, this 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 is the state of affairs that we are at with the Predators. They are uh, not technically at the bottom of the division, but they might as well be. Um, they're sitting at twelve points. Detroit has ten now. Um, so the week has been awful and then next week it only gets tougher because now they got to go back and play Dallas again. Uh, they have 10 more games against Dallas and Tampa. So good luck with that. That's going to be one. They're zero and six against them right now. Um, let's see what else, what, what, what else is possibly going wrong? Oh, now they have a ton of injury injuries. Ryan Johansson's out. Um, Matthias Ekholm, some mystery injury. He's out. Um, <laughs> so there's that. That's fun. Um, they are inexplicably exchanging p- players in their lineup that don't make any sense. Uh, they well, they you gotta rest the guys. They're going to get tired playing all this 56 games of hockey. Yeah, e- e- Ellie Tolvanen sits after making some progress. But the Granlin, Duchesne, and Forsberg line, which is the only thing going well, inexplicably removed or split up, rather. Uh, and then and then randomly gets back together late in the game uh, on Saturday as if that's going to recover things. So, um Things are not good. It is. It is. If you thought it was bad in you know the the first round loss to Detroit, I'm sorry, the first round loss to Dallas last year, uh, I guess two years ago now. Uh, if you thought it was bad, the qualifying round loss to Arizona, um, it it has reached a new low. There is no doubt about it. It has reached a new low. The fans are completely up in arms about this. And I cannot blame them one bit. Um, there's nothing going well. So I, w- just real quick about the last week. I mean, is that, was that, is that your perspective as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's disheartening if you're watching this team. And, you know, I don't – I think the majority of fans came into this season, with, in my opinion, with realistic expectations. This was a team that was had somewhere between a 40 and 60% chance of making the playoffs. Like, they were – I haven't pegged a little bit above the bubble, like 55% of being in the playoffs. You know, the, the team was, I think, a little bit weaker than last season at the forward end. I think they were, you know, I think they were, they're a little bit stronger on the back end. I thought Goldhang would probably be about the same. Um, and we're, we're, we're like, the, they saw the 40% and they said, no, we can do better. And they went in the wrong direction and they just kept kind of plumbing the opposite way. Um, but it's just this week has been like they went to Tampa, got trounced, and they, they didn't look like they really had any ideas on how to generate offense or how to not take penalties. And then they just kind of went into the Detroit game and, and you know, had a good toe-to-toe game, and that's not a great sign. And then, you know, we had the game last night, which – we sort of felt like a nail on a coffin type moment. Like, you know, there's this big joke about the Predators defining moments. I mean, that was, that was a nail in the coffin moment, at least how it felt emotionally to watch that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It was, it was definitely a new low. Um, I made this analogy uh, earlier this week, but um, if you've seen the movie, you've seen the movie Twister, right? The tornado no, movie. I'm aware of it. I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it. You've never seen it. Oh, it's I, so don't, good. I, don't, I don't like disaster movies. Oh man, it's it's one of the best. But anyways, Twister with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt, um, my president, Bill Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> the, so the, the the analogy is so basically in that movie, it's just a bunch of tornadoes back and 
on top of, of each other, right? So like one tornado hits, they talk about it. Destruction happens. They another tornado hits. It's just one right after another, and as soon as one clears, it's the most like insane weather uh, situation in this movie. As soon as one tornado just like decimates this town, they're like getting on the radio. They're like, "There's another one coming!" And then there's just a new tornado, and then it's got hail and it's got super powered winds and all this stuff. And then like, as soon as you think that you know, oh, it's finally over. No, there's even a bigger one. Then there's just this huge one at the very end. The predators are like halfway through that movie right now <laughs> they have they have experienced two or three huge destructive tornadoes and now they're like oh god there's another one coming and it's even bigger and because they they have they have played 15 games they have 41 games left and i don't think that they have really a chance to win any of those games i mean they they, they are they are so bad at every level of the ice it's just awful you know, I think I think you're giving like I feel like you're giving the team too much credit with the with the twister compare uh, kind of kind of metaphor carrying over top because this is this is more like a team that has like they dropped a whole six pack of soda, picked it up, and opened it anyways. <laughs> like right? they just yeah. like stuff keeps not working. Like if, like I was looking this morning at like time on ice line combo stuff and it's just like bizarre mm-hmm. i mean everything is just strange with this team and nothing quite Three makes sense combination. yeah yeah there there have been a, an absurd number of line combinations and for a team that has not had a chance to practice a lot or had a lot of time to be together and had a lot of turnover uh I mean, do they even know each other's names yet? I mean, it's I mean, here, let me let me give you let me just throw this out at you real quick. Okay. This is no surprise. Playing together this season only at five on five for eighty-two minutes and change. Forsberg, Johan, Johansson. I, years later, I still want to say Johansson when I see that. I'm such a hockey. I'm such a hockey brain. And Arvidsson. No surprise there. Yeah. The next minutes. next greatest time on ice, largest number. At five on five is thirty six minutes, and that's Matt Duchesne, the Kyle Granlund, and Philip Forsberg. Right, and that's a like, almost forty point difference, a forty minute yeah, difference. Yeah, and it's still and Forsberg's still on that line. And how, and there's got to be tons of line combinations that are like yeah. From there, yeah, we've got we've got thirty three minutes, twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty one, twenty one, twenty eighteen, seventeen, 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 fifteen, yeah. fifteen, thirteen, twelve, eleven. I, I cut out of ten. Like I said, minimum of ten minutes together. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I set that to zero, how many, you know, you're probably going to get like, but at 10 minutes, you've got 20 different line combinations. And and like you mentioned, the, the analogy you made is perfect. The, the, the Predators dropped an entire six pack of soda and then just proceeded to just open them all up individually at different times and think, oh, it's going to be fine, right? Yeah, this will be okay. They did that to themselves. They, they've yeah. done this to themselves. They got a coach that has been known to do this in New Jersey. They got uh, they completely overhauled the lineup so that well not completely but they they changed the lineup significantly so that there's an opportunity to just throw a bunch of lines together and they falsely told us there was going to be this youth movement where we we're going to have young guys come in and actually try to contribute and struggle and then build their game and that didn't happen mm-hmm. um, and and so and some of these guys are young like uh, Luke Cunning is pr- pretty young if he's part of the future who knows. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen obviously is, is part of the future supposedly. Uh, but yeah, there's, 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 they've done so much of this themselves. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but you know what, you know what, just to help us out here a little bit, 
we've talked about some perplexing things happening with this franchise and some changes and some some uh, false or misleading statements. And all of this seems to boil up to a single person in many ways. Exactly. And that and that takes us to the, the main story. So like this, this everything is coming to uh, everything is kind of converging into one person, like you said. And and I think it's pretty safe to say that David Poyle leaving is the only fix at this point. It's the only thing that could actually solve some problems, right? It, it, it won't solve all of them. I mean, you've still got these contracts to worry about. You've still got um, uh, uh, players who don't understand their role. You've still got goaltending, a, a gap between your goaltending, like between now and, and the future in, in Askarov, right? You've still got to, your, to develop your young players. There's still some issues, but... You can't get that started unless David Poyle is is gone, and and we're we're gonna that's kind of our our, our main focus today is, is we want to talk about. I I kind of want to break this down into three things, right? So like, where are we at now? Uh, where are the predators at now? Where how did they get here? And then where could they be in the future with without David Poyle? Uh, and and see the difference. And I know that you have a lot of notes as well, and I know you've got a lot of things to say about it. Um. Uh, let, let me just go ahead and set the stage here for for kind of where they at where they're at currently, and then we'll talk about where they how they got here. So right now the Predators and this is some of this is going to be repeating, but I'm just going to go and say it anyways. It's the worst start of the franchise since 2003. 2003 is commonly referred to as the worst season in Predators history. I mean, it was like their lowest point total it was like 76 points or something, maybe 80. Um, they're at game 15 of 56, and they have very little time to make up this ground. The, the, their, their chances of making the playoffs is just plummeting right now. Um, they do nothing well. They have no defense, no offense. Their goaltending is bad. Their cap management is not great. They, they're not developing prospects. You know, maybe the drafting is okay because they, you know, they got a couple hits there. But, like, you know, they if, if you have a top 11 pick, you better hit on it. So, um the the fan and, and maybe maybe more importantly the fan base has completely lost confidence in this team and i think covid is masking some of that because you know the fans aren't there as much um but they are very angry very frustrated they're losing complete faith in anything that the predators have built over the last 20 years um that's where we're at now so let's discuss how david poyle got us there uh, do you want to go first how he got us there. So, or, or what, 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 what do you want to say about the David Poyle issue first? Yeah, so this season is the culmination of a journey. So when it was time to sort of move on from the Barry Trotz years, that was the moment that I think the ownership group and David Poyle said, we have consistent fans in the seats like we can sell out games very consistently uh we have nashville blowing up as a city so there's people streaming in going to a predators game is an event both for people who live in the city and for people just visiting like people call me like oh we're going to broadway oh let's go to a hockey game while we're there because you drink and go into the game and leave and drink again mm -hmm. um so it, it made the team central to the sort of the culture of the city i mean you even see like the whole you see people who walk around wearing smashville hats who don't even care about hockey like it's just right. 
part of the identity. And so they, they seized it and said, let's bring in a dynamic sort of firebrandy coach. Let's you know take advantage of some of the, the, the luck we got with the Forsberg trade. Like, let's let's really finally push this team to the next level. And, you know, that, that left Poyle with his kind of white whale that he's been pursuing for the entire, at, at that point, the entire history of the Predators, which is that first line center. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the best center before, you know, this whole journey began, arguably is Jason Arnott, um, at least from scoring numbers and things like that. And I, I'm an Arnott fan overall. Like, I know he, he was sort of, not every Predators fan liked him, but yeah, I was like, a fan. There's not a lot of choices to pick from, and he's probably the best one. Yeah. David Legwon would probably be the second. Which is not great, because David Legwon is like a, a career, very, very, very good third-line penalty killer. Um, yeah. yeah. Two-way forward. Um, and so that was, and that's what we've been seeing since, like the, the, the pursuit for that first-line center. And that's what, honestly, like, if you draft a center who is very good but isn't going to make it as a center at the AHL and NHL level, you can mm-hmm. roll them to the wing and give them another try. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it made sense practically, but also maybe you hit and you get that elite center you're looking for. Hasn't happened yet because centers are, you know, talented centers are hard to get because they go early and they go high in the draft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, for, for those yeah. that are not familiar, as familiar with the NHL draft, centers are the hardest thing to find. Uh, almost all centers, all, tons of great talent in the in like the, the lower, below the NHL level in, in hockey are centers, but they almost always turn out to be wingers, sometimes even switch to defense um, in the at the NHL level. So Yeah, I'm trying to remember what Wade Bielak played before he switched as to defense. Because he, was he wasn't he a... Wait, I always forget. Did he switch from defense to forward to become an enforcer? Is that what he did? Yeah, he he went from defense. Yeah, I think so. To forward and became an enforcer. So just you know, we'd be like always carving new ground. Um, and then so then that's when we saw like we saw Johansson and Duchesne and Turris and Benino. Not saying Benino was going to be that first line forward or that first line center, but like he just started acquiring centers and just shipping out everything that the Predators had in order to to make that a reality and you know as, as good as like you know johansson had a few good seasons duchene does everything right that he could possibly do right and isn't getting results mm-hmm. um which is a whole i don't know i'm, I'm not con- like qualified as a sports psychologist yeah but the contract um, is bad right the i mean contract the, is, and- is rough yeah if he was producing it wouldn't be as bad um yeah. but even then it's too long probably yeah um sure. So it's just he's been chasing this this ideal, and, and the other team got to the Stanley Cup Finals, which is amazing, but didn't like they came on the other side and said, "Ah, we're still ready." And even though all your players were a year older, and you really didn't improve any of the gaps, and then they fell short, and Poyle again didn't address any of the gaps in the team, and they fell short again, and Poyle didn't. He started to address some of the gaps in the team, but he did it in a very perplexing way. So it's just been, you know, it, this this shift. I think he got fortunate with some of the player acquisitions through trades. Um, he also had probably his best, one of his best crops of defensemen, like top to bottom, come in to their own. And, and but outside of that, he just seems to be struggling with what to do to bring in the right talent and. 
making Nashville an attractive place for people to play. It, it, it's nothing that's we haven't discussed in all the years of doing podcasts or, or bloggers haven't discussed. It's just we don't we we've really never like pulled back and looked down and said, man, was, what he's doing like. If we need David Paul to do something other than keep the ship afloat, is he capable of doing that on yeah, his that's own? A, that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. It, the, it, how I look at this is with a GM, you need to have more hits than misses. I've said this before. You, you need to have more successes than, than failures. I mean, that's, that should be pretty obvious. I mean, the, the um, Scotty Bowman uh you know hall of fame legendary manager and coach uh you know won like 14 stanley cups he had some misses in there right i mean like he he there were years where he wasn't he didn't do something right or there was something didn't work or some player didn't work out but he had far more hits than misses right i mean that's that's the that's the judgment joel quinville same thing his his end at chicago not great i, I know i'm talking about coaches here but just bear with me here i'm, I'm making a larger point uh Definitely had a rough end, but more hits than misses, right? Uh, I would think Steve Eiserman with Tampa Bay, uh, he, he so far he's had only hits <laughs> uh, it, it, with, with Tampa Bay. So, like, um, I, I think I think the bigger the bigger thing with David Poyle and and is he has started really racking up the misses. I mean, there are so many failures. In, and I'm glad you mentioned the thing about Barry Trotz. Since the Barry Trotz firing slash Peter Lobby led hiring, the number of misses that he has racked up are staggering. I mean, there there are so many of them. Uh, there's almost almost too many to count. But there's I, I've got a small list here that's kind of going in reverse chronological order. So the Duchesne contract would be one. I think. I mean, he had to he had to finally just send fifty six million dollars to get Duchesne because he couldn't get him any other way. That was a, that's that's a miss because the, you have to to pay that much money to get a guy like Dave Shane at his age is um, the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong way to do it. Um, the midseason hire of John Hines, I think, is a miss too. Look, I, I, I have no idea if John Hines is the answer or if he's going to be successful. My my thought is probably not, but definitely not hiring a midseason. I mean, like at, at at the very least, like just have an interim coach coach the rest of that team, which it didn't end up doing much at all. And then see if he, you know, interview him and interview Gerard Gallant and interview some other guys and see if, what, what works out better. Yeah, I don't think Gerard Gallant went to, uh, went to an NCAA school though. So he's not qualified to coach the Predators. Yeah, exactly. Pretty sure he didn't go to, <laughs> I'm just double checking. Yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't go to, he didn't go to a U.S. college and play hockey. Yeah, so. They may have even had a chance at Pete DeBoer. I'm trying to remember the timing of this, but like, not that Pete DeBoer would have been. I think Pete DeBoer would be better than John Hines. But anyways, so the mid-season hiring of John Hines, not necessarily the hiring of John Hines, but the mid-season hiring, the the Kyle Turris trade and sign, I, I, that might be one of the worst because of how how that all worked out, but also because of it. It also encompasses two other misses. Number one, losing Sam Gerrard, and number two, not getting Matt Duchesne when you could when he had a chance to. So like that whole trade is just three big misses all at once. So that's why I think that's maybe the worst. The Kevin Fiala trade from Kyle Granlund is definitely a miss. Um, I I think the I think it's a pretty big mystery why Kevin Fiala just all of a sudden started doing well. I don't really get that. So he, let me let me. So I think there's and because it's so often do I'll, I'll reference 
soccer because it's common ground for us and and i think it's a good i think it's a good comparison because it's a similarly free-flowing game but Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more it's a little bit more system and a little bit slower so it's easier to break things down so it's not uncommon in soccer and any person who watches soccer probably said this once or twice like this player is wrong for this system Mm-hmm. that's a pretty common thing to say like oh you know this guy plays as a target striker he's supposed to you get the ball to him he gets it down to the feet and he, and he makes plays mm-hmm. well if you play a system where you need your striker to go off the shoulder of the defenseman and flirt with offsides a lot and make runs in behind and be really like dynamic and quick you don't yeah. bring in you know peter crouch who's six foot five thousand and can't run yeah if you do your system isn't going to work if you send that striker to a system that is based around a target striker, it's going to work. Now, there's this, it seems to be this sense in hockey that that doesn't exist. Like, we mm. call it, and we, we look at it as like mystical universe and things. Like, he needs a change of scenery. I'm like, maybe he needs to play in a system that enables him to be successful. Not every system does that. It doesn't mean the coach is bad. It doesn't mean the system is bad. It means the player and the system don't match. So either the player has to play differently and therefore may not be as effective or the system has to accommodate him, or you move on. So I, I I think with Fiala, it was more about moving on because the systems that were being played were not going to work for him, and he could not work within the systems. I, th- I think I agree with that. I think I think it, the, the bigger surprise to me is that is that the system that worked for him was the one in Minnesota. I think well, that's- kind of, they just kind of let him do whatever he wants. That's why yeah. it works in Minnesota. So, so that, so that obviously that's a miss. Uh, let, I'm just going to throw out a few more here. Um, remember Ryan Hartman? Remember the Predators trading for Ryan Hartman, a first round pick for Ryan yeah. Hartman? Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't use him properly. He, he worked out a few, a few times. He had a few good games, but they didn't really use him right. And then they traded him for Wayne Simmons. That, that's just an example of value on your roster that just evaporates into, into thin air, just goes nowhere. Right, but it warmed uh, my heart because I do. I you know Wayne Simmons. Yeah, and, and Wayne Simmons love it. Look, I mean, I I liked the trade for Wayne Simmons, but they turned that. I mean, the, none of just all of it just evaporated, just gone, just into thin air. The, okay, the Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson trade was not a total miss, but it's not doing enough for you right now, right? I mean, like they would absolutely take Seth Jones back for Ryan Johansson right now. As right? far as on ice impact, yeah, I mean, I don't think Seth Jones is is. A player a lot of people seem to think he is but he's definitely like better than dante yeah. fabro the, the yeah yeah exactly the the so it's like i said it's not a total miss it's a it's a partial miss uh same thing for the weber and suban trade i mean you can't deny that that was a great run for three years two years with pk suban uh while shea weber was basically injured but now you look at it and you're like, man, they'd really much rather have Shea Weber back. So it, that's it's kind of the same thing with the Seth Jones, Ryan Johansson situation. Yeah. And then, there's, and then there's all these little things. So like there's too many of these just useless contracts, hire uh, players wanting to hire their friends in and get, get them in here. Like, like Yannick Weber, like Dan Hammies wanting to return, bringing Scott Hartnell back, uh, re-signing Austin Watson to a three-year deal. All these little, all these contracts that just like don't do anything to help Honestly, your team. Honestly, I, I would throw in, um, and I know he's been better than I expected, but like Richardson this season, he's been fine, but why do you need that player? Hala, right. he's yeah. been poor. He's had a couple good moments. He's been overall poor. Why did you sign that contract? And they're not high-value ones, but it's money being spent. 
Yeah, it's a exactly. roster spot being taken up by someone else who could probably do the job just as badly, um, or or better. <clears throat> exactly, and and uh, so so yeah, there's there's too many of these little contracts. The, not a lot of these add up to a lot of money, but if you get a ton of these over the course of seasons, you just have these just millions upon millions of dollars that are just being wasted on nothing. Um, and then there's some little things like making these trades over the years that were this like kind of desperate attempt to instill some sort of hockey identity, like bringing Mike Fisher back after retirement. That was such a mistake. I mean, he was awful when he came back. Uh, I would say the, the Wayne Simmons, Brian Boyle thing was that definitely trading for Cody McLeod twice. Remember he traded for Cody McLeod twice signing Zach Ronaldo. Um, these are, these are like little trades. These, these are almost negligible in terms of money, but they do a lot to your locker room, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what they do to your locker room, but they certainly disrupt something. And it's just this like desperate move by your GM and maybe by your coach to say we need um, uh, someone that's going to fight for us, or we need someone that's going to that's going to bring this sort of uh, tertiary element of hockey into the game, regardless of whether there's a puck out there or not. And those didn't work. You, you can't you can't go out and buy locker room culture right like you you it's something it is you've got a lot of guys in a locker room they are going to develop their own culture and chemistry organically if you were like bringing mike fisher back to lead a prayer circle or whatever so the team's more centered like that's not that's not how you do that like yeah that that i think the fisher was most interesting because he left on i would say a relatively high note i mean obviously a beloved player um, an important part of the community, uh, a real leader for the team, and in, in you know literally and and kind of more and figuratively in ways, um, but to bring him back after he retired, it just felt weird and desperate. And it was like, you know, Mike, we we don't need you to play a whole lot. Like it's, it doesn't matter. We just need you to be in the locker room and make sure the guys feel good about themselves. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we need to instill a winning attitude and. You know, I don't. Who knows what? But it's just, yeah. It, all these things just are are kind of a death by a million cuts. And Peter Laviolette probably had a lot as much to do with that about it as 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 David Poyle, right? So I mean, that's that's part of it. But um, the other thing I was going to mention is um, some draft misses. So I mean, look, the draft is is it's not a perfect science. I mean, there's there's a lot. Tons of teams miss on on good players all the time. Alex DeBrinkett was what picked like twenty first or something. Twenty teams missed on Alex DeBrinkett, and he's really really good. Um, uh, there, and there's tons of examples like that. But uh, I think the key for the Predators is that they have not hit on what should be solid roster cho- uh, chances. First and second round players, they've not hit on enough of these. Here's a list of the current. Predators that were drafted in the first or second round that are still on the team right now. Colton Sissons, Yakov Trenin, Dante Fabro, Ellie Tolvanen. That's in the last, sorry, that, that's over the last decade. That's since 2010. That's since 2010. That's the number of players, four players, that were first and second round picks. So uh, not included in that list are players that are not here anymore. Austin Watson, Seth Jones, Kevin Fiala, Sam Gerrard, Pontus Auberg. Uh, and and uh, by the way, there's a few other names in there, like Jack Doherty, players that just never even made it, that mm-hmm. never even got to the NHL, really. Um, 
so like th- those other players now, obviously Seth Jones was traded for, for Ryan Johansson. That's one thing, Sam Gerard, we already know what happened there, Kevin Fiala. But that to me is also a big miss for David Poyle. The draft has not been consistent for him. Sure. He's hit on some Victor Arvidsons and you, he, I mean, finding Pecorine in the eighth round or whatever it was, but but look, you cannot rely on just like blindly stabbing into the eighth round or the fourth round and think that's going to carry you. You've got to hit on these first and second round players. And for those four players, and the best one is probably Jakob Trennan, I would say, uh, of those four. I mean, it's like really not good. I mean, Colton, maybe Colton Sissons. That's probably the best I, one. I'm, I, my, my Colton Sissons fan club is possibly <laughs> disbanding um, this season. I I really like I thought like he just seemed like he had another level that he was getting ready to get to not that he was gonna like he's a bottom six guy don't get me wrong I just like he, this I was like this guy he can be like that third line forward consistent do a little bit of everything and it's just not happening and it's unfortunate but yeah yeah I, you know I've been often thrown by how the team drafts because sometimes they do exactly what they expect them to do and sometimes they just go and do weird things like you know the the Watson pickup especially when they drafted him I was like what are you guys doing like yeah he's probably going to be in any like you know he was projected to be like in NHL or but first round but some of the rest of these it's like the the so the best players on that list have all been traded away yep they 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 just got the value out of them and now the value is not even there anymore um, well, I mean, they even didn't get. Yeah, I mean, they don't think they ever got the value out of Gerard. If he'd played another season, he probably wouldn't worth more than 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 the Predators got. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so so drafting and look, like I said, drafting's a, a tricky thing. And I know David Poyle doesn't. Have, he's not. He's certainly not the only one making decisions in that room. But the common thread in all of these things that I mentioned is David Poyle. He is the common thread. Over the years, he's the one that is at the top of the uh, at, at the top of the chain. In making all these decisions, from contracts to to free agent signing decisions to drafting to coaching, obviously, it's all David Poyle. So I I think that we there there is no other option other than David Poyle is responsible for what we are seeing completely, and and it will not change unless he is not there anymore. Yeah, it it all has to come down to the guy making the decisions. Um, I, I think GMs are a little bit far removed from you know the eye sometimes. But Poyle's been around for so long that he's an institution. But you know if if personnel is not working and it's and there's perplexing decisions being made, it's the GM. You know, and if he's taking the advice from the coaches and what they need to acquire, it, it's still the GM who makes the decision and who hired the coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it all comes back to him, and. Yeah. We like we knew there were going to be scoring issues coming into this season based on the roster that he built, and he did nothing to really address those. I mean, he had to start bringing back players that had mutually had after the team and the player had said, "No, we're we're you know we're, we want to see other people," and then just like you know begging for him to come back. Um, yeah, I just I think I said I've said this every show. At least it feels like it. But David Poyle has just run out of ideas. I don't think he knows what to do to make the team successful. I don't know if and this is kind of the big question mark. I don't know if he's still under some kind of mandate from the ownership 
group. Because for a while, the goal was we have to make sure this team is competitive. They don't have to win a Stanley Cup. They don't even have to win a playoff series. They need to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That was the only goal for like over a decade. Uh, and that was the mandate. Like you need to put together a team that's going to do that. You need a coach who can get you there. And Poyle absolutely put that team together. And Barry Trotz absolutely is a good enough coach to keep that keep those teams competitive. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's been since then. Like he got lucky, as we talked about. And from from there, it's been a series of questionable moves as he tries to fill the gaps he sees in the team, which honestly are totally different than the gaps I see in the team. And I mean, he's 70 years old. He's been he's basically been a career hockey guy. I mean, he's never not been a hockey dude. Yeah. Um so I mean he evaluates things differently than I do. He's more experienced than I do, but like I just think back to all the last, the last couple of years, just watching that bottom pairing saying this bottom pairing is not good enough. It's obviously not good enough. You look at them on the ice, they're not good enough. You look at the stats, they're not good enough. Here's here's a handful of guys that are free agents or, or, or probably available for trade that you could bring in on the cheap who could probably fix some of your issues. And mm -hmm. like he goes out and like trades Nick Bonino for Luke Cunning and like, what? Um, <laughs> Now, granted, it's maybe a bad example because that was leading into some of his good acquisitions where he brought in Benning and, and um, better acquisitions where he brought in Benning and, and Borbievsky. And, um, yeah. and, you know, it, but, so he, so, but it's, just, it's just, I don't know. I, my head just I spins sometimes thinking about this. The question I think that you have, that, that, that the larger Nashville Predators community, fans, media, all of it, has to act them, ask themselves is would the future of the Nashville Predators look better without David Poyle? Um, that's that's the question. And if the answer to that question is yes, then you have your answer, right? Then then you know that he has to go. And I I think it would because they, I don't know that this is the great the best time to do it, but you you have if if he was to resign, which by the way that's the only way it's going to happen, right? Retire, retire. I don't know. The, the 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 owner group, membership group, may just get tired they may say it's time to move on i mean they, they the thing i don't want anyone to ever forget is that the people who own hockey teams are rich people <laughs> hockey teams like any sports franchise they are the biggest toy you can probably buy because there's a very finite number of them in the u.s they're franchise based they're very expensive and they take a ton of money to keep them going if they're not generating their own revenue um and not everyone does so, so they're, they're vanity but, projects yeah eventually if if your toys aren't fun if you're mm -hmm. not enjoying your toys you're going to want to get a new toy you're going to want to fix you know or if it breaks you want to fix it because it's your favorite toy because you spent yeah. a lot of money and time and, and effort on it um and i'm being you know silly about it but that's that's kind no, of the that's way great. it is. Like that's right, and 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 this is so. Uh, at, at this point, like let's say that let's let's say that the the David Poyle was to was to leave or or to get get removed, um, you could almost completely start from scratch. And I think that 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 is a scary uh, thought for some people because, by the way, starting from scratch means. Go look at the roster right now. Nobody could there. It could be totally different. I think the only pr player that could still be on there is Roman Yossi, and that's only because he has a no move clause. So mm -hmm. like, they could still probably work around it. But like, literally everyone from Philip Forsberg 
to Victor Arvidsson, to, to Ryan Ellis, to obviously the goaltenders, all of it gone. I mean, you could totally just whitewash this whole roster, right? And build it completely thinking about not, 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 not thinking about next year, not even thinking about two years, but thinking about like three or four or five years from now, where's the team going to be? Um, with guys like Philip Tomasino and Askarov, who are at that point like 23, 24, 25, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're the rock of this team. And guys like Philip Forsberg are playing in Chicago. Oh, Just don't hurt me like that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, so, and, but not only that, but you also have, you probably all, if you have some sort of change like that, you're going to have a whole new hockey operations team, whole new, obviously, obviously a whole new coaching staff. You're going to have probably a totally different environment in, in terms of the fan experience. Maybe not totally different, but you're going to have a new set of ideas come in and decide, okay, we want the fan experience to look like this. We want the, we want the, the promotional stuff to look like this. We want the, uh, here's how we want the, the corporate partners to be involved. Like All that stuff could be totally different. And that right now would not be the worst thing for the Predators because I ask, all that I just mentioned is not in a good state. I have one thing I would put in that future GM wish list, and that's that they could renegotiate the contract for the in-stadium pizza. If we could not have the team renew the relationship with Hunt Brothers, no, um, I would be really happy. Um, I don't know. Did you ever eat the pizza at Bridgestone before the Hunt Brothers deal? Oh, I, I, I probably did, but I don't remember. Was it so, better? Oh, it was much better. They actually had like pizza ovens and like made pizza. Huh. Like it, yeah, it was like ac- it was it was actually like good, and then they signed the Hunt Brothers deal, and it, at it some point they all the old pizza with Hunt Brothers. At some point they had Papa John's too, I think, right? Uh, I can't recall that. Maybe, but I, the pizza I don't remember. The, I don't think the pizza was ever at Papa John's that I can recall. Oh. Maybe like before I started making the trek up from Chattanooga. Um, I, I don't know when I was gonna... still like driving Chattanooga to Nashville twenty times a year. I don't know that they're gonna change the pizza thing, but I just want to defend hunt brothers i i do like hunt brothers i don't know what it is but i like it we all have I like i mean you know like i remember when i used to go to the 7-eleven and, and get the cheeseburger dog when i was in college um and some people want to walk into uh, a convenience store after filling their car with with gas and get a, a hunk of pizza i understand <laughs> i don't agree with you but i understand and i don't begrudge you enjoying your enjoyment of the pizza it's just people can enjoy bad things and I don't mean bad as in like exactly bad, bad. I mean bad as in like bad movies and silly foods and things. Sure, like sure. I don't begrudge people that. I just I just think it's important to acknowledge that it is bad. <laughs> Certainly. Um, so uh, I I think it's fair to say we. I mean we obviously both agree. Both agree. Uh, David Poyle uh, not being in charge anymore would would solve a lot of problems. Would would be a direction that fans could get behind. Would be a direction that could solve could 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 help the team in the long run. Um, yeah. I just yeah. don't know if we're going to see it. I don't know. I don't know if we do see it. I don't know when. Um, I, I, I said this to a few people who were asking me, um, not on, you know, offline or not. I think maybe, maybe it was on Twitter. Uh, I think that it, if that kind of thing happens, it's going to happen in the summer. You're going to have to endure this 56 games before that happens. I just don't think it's going to happen in the middle okay. of the season. No, I mean, I think you have to, you just gotta let the season roll and then revamp. I mean, could the Predators find a way to turn around and scrape their way into the playoffs? I mean, it's, it's absolutely, they have enough games to do it, assuming they made a lot of changes and, and made a lot of improvements. So, I mean, Poyle could go out there and make like 
a couple brilliant moves out of nowhere, bring in, you know, get get the exact, because I keep hearing, um, I heard it when uh, uh, Hines first joined Nashville, and I'm hearing it now, that, you know, Hines' system is like, he needs all these certain things to happen. He needs speed and skill in all four lines, and he needs, like, to space create in a certain way, and he needs defense to act in a certain way, and, and he didn't have that in, in New Jersey. He doesn't have it in Nashville, so maybe Portal needs to make some significant moves to make sure Heinz has the things he needs so that the Heinz system, we can actually, after him being in the league for seven, eight years, we can finally see Heinz's system work because it hasn't worked in eight years or, or <laughs> I'm just making up a number. I think, I think he's been in around for seven or eight years. That's not um, right. But if I, I may be off plus or minus um, a year or two. Uh, so I, or he could change the, the, the coach and try and get a coach who's going to work, who can actually work with the players that he has. Um, but yeah, it, I don't think we're going to see much of a change. I think we're just going to watch the franchise put, put along and then maybe something happens if, if the disaster continues. And I mean, you know, you've got some, there's options out there and you could have some, like you, you know, it's obviously going to have a big impact on the average fan. Cause like Poyle is an institution, as I said earlier. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there's some fan friendly options that the Predators could swing for. Like you have good old Scotty nickel in the franchise already. Yeah. doing kind of he's been getting promoted and doing well as a as a kind of manager within kind of the hockey operations world yeah have him try an interim role give him a shot um yeah. predators legend and beloved steve sullivan is is doing great work over in arizona well now, um, now he's now he's he's been let go oh he's i missed that when was that it was earlier this week it was very unceremonious the arizona coyotes just said uh steve sullivan has been terminated so, oh well, maybe I have to retract. I missed that happening. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. I don't, it, it literally that's all it said. Yeah, I think uh, Greg Wyshynski uh, wrote about it. But um, yeah, I, so that that totally last. Yeah, he got fired like um, two or three days ago, maybe four. I, five days. I thought I thought the Kings were looking all right with him. Yeah, I it might have been. Who knows? Assistant, some but... internal strife, internal conflict. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's, but there's options, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's possible options out there for replacing GM. I think if, I think if it was, if it was just, uh, David's retiring and Brian is taking over, people are going to roll their eyes and think, here we go again. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think it it definitely needs to be some sort of massive overhaul, um, at the top. So, um, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tough to pull off if they do it. And then you're going to have a huge gap in, competitiveness i mean what you're even what you're seeing with with detroit i mean some teams can turn over a, a roster pretty quickly and and, uh, and kind of retool and be and be okay and still find a way to find some success i'm trying to think of, of some examples and i can't think of any right now but um th- there's teams that have done teams have done that before uh but this would not be that situation i think they'd have to they'd have to gather what they could out of out of the value that they have. I mean, think about a guy like Philip Forsberg, Philip Forsberg. If they were to, if they were to retool and trade and get value out of him, they could get a lot out of Philip Forsberg because yeah. of how he is his cap. hits not bad. Uh, he's got one year left on it. Um, I don't know how much they could get out of someone like Victor Arvidsson, but I'm sure there's a team that is, you know, fell in oh, love yeah. with them. If you, if you go, if you send Arvidsson to a team who's like, we need shot volume. We want you to take, just, yeah. just get the, get the puck in the zone and shoot. I, how did Arvidsson score most of his goals? He comes in the right wing, super fast, skates, and shoots from somewhere around the circle on the right. Yeah. 
So, I mean, find a team that lets gives him the space and time to do that, and, and he'll score. I mean, will he hit 30? Yeah, he could. 20? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know that we'll see that, but we'll uh, – um, yeah, they, they, ha- they have pieces they could turn into future. So, um, that, that could happen. And if it does, get ready to lose a lot of your favorite players, folks. I mean, a lot of your favorite players. Like I said, the only one that's going to stay, Roman Yossi, because he has a no-move clause. So, um, all right. Wow. The, we covered a lot. I mean, there's, there's, there was a lot to talk about. Um, um, I'm glad we were able to have the time to talk about this because, uh, it certainly seems like things are kind of reaching that point and it feels like a lot of people are, are, uh, accepting this. Um, if you, if you'd said this, you know, after the Arizona loss, for example, like in December, yeah, you might, you might get some people on, on board with you, but they'd be like, okay, let's just see what John Hines can do with this roster. Now you've seen it. You've seen it for 45 games or whatever. You know what's what the situation is. It's not working. So, um, in, any other final thoughts you want to throw out there about that? Um, I guess I need to about talk which, about which part about 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 David about, Poyle. About, about David Poyle. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like it's, it's in a lot of ways it's all been said. I've been kind of low on Poyle for a few years now, just because it feels like he's been rowing in a different direction than the t- than, than the league, uh, and he's been taking the team, sort of dragging them, them in the wrong direction as well. I mean, everything the river always moves in the same way, but if you're rowing against it, it's gonna it's gonna slow you down. Um, and I just feel like he's just been trying to tweak endlessly, tweak the roster, and you hit a point where when you have a recipe, you have something, and you're just just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking you either end up with something completely different or you ruin the recipe. Uh, mm. And, I, you know, maybe Hines really does have a great system that he just hasn't had a chance to run. I mean, he could have been unlucky in both places. New Jersey was not exactly, you know, a beacon of quality when he joined. Um, you know, maybe he's just, he's he's a pretty good cook who's been given some really bad ingredients by the GM. Um, that's certainly a possibility as well. I mean, I... I, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I'm happy know. to be wrong. I'm always happy to be wrong. Yeah. Well, the, the Predators do begin a six-game road trip this week. Uh, Monday, they play a back-to-back against Dallas at Dallas. So Monday and Tuesday, two games against Dallas. Um, that doesn't bode well. Then they play two games. <laughs> so <against> ominous. The, <laughs> it's so they, ominous, Alex. They play two games against the only team they've swept this year, Columbus, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, so they have four games this week. I think I think it'd be a miracle if they won two of those games. I don't even I don't even know who which two they'd beat, but maybe they beat Columbus twice. But I mean, yeah, I'm hesitant to predict what's going to happen because Dallas, yeah. you know, they've been playing pretty well, but again, they're you know they're always a bit of a mystery at least so far this season. Columbus, that's going to be an interesting litmus test. Do we see the Predators play the same like they did because they didn't they didn't really play well against Columbus, but they beat them yeah. twice. Right, that's true. Uh, you know, do we see the same? I, who knows yeah. at this point? I can't. Pre- I can't predict with this team anymore. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sportsnashville.com. You can follow me on Twitter at alexdarty one. Follow Link on Twitter at three d link. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say at the end here is that um, we have some ice and snow coming into Nashville, and I'm pretty excited about it. Even though I think it's going to be a little dicey. Are Are you excited about this snow that's coming in? Uh, I'm as as someone who 
spent a lot of, who has spent a lot of time in the Northeast and was trained to drive on snow. Uh, no, because it means I can't go anywhere for four days. Granted, I could never really go anywhere anyways, because, you know, pandemic. Um, but no, because so if you are not familiar with if you've not been following the weather close and you don't know what's happening tonight, Sunday night, we're supposed to get ice mm-hmm. that is going to that could actually form power lines and could cause power power outages. So, yeah, be aware you could have power outages yeah. due to ice. Um, and then that ice is going to get hit with snow. Two yep. to three inches is what they are currently saying. Obviously, it's subject to, to either direction. Um, and you're putting snow on top of ice, and Yikes. people are going to drive. That is that is a bad recipe. So if you don't have anywhere to go, that's <laughs> going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. You're probably you know you can. It's going to be white and pretty, and just don't go anywhere. And if you need to go outside to walk your dog, walk carefully. <laughs> um, right. You know, make sure if you want to try to ice skate outside, um, make sure the ice is thick enough, or else you will destroy your skate blades on That's on true. rocks and stuff. Um, but other than that, just just stay safe. Have a have a milk sandwich and listen to our show. If, as I'm you pretty excited are. about it. I, I really like snow and ice, and I think I'm pretty excited about it. But yes, that's true. You need to be safe and don't drive anywhere. And also, make sure that you get all of the snow and ice off of your car before you drive, oh, if you do drive somewhere. This great is advice. Insane. But great advice. If you need to clear your windshield and the roof of your car because that ice can get dislodged yeah. and smack into someone else's car, yeah, I, hurt people. Yeah. Off your trunk, off your hood, anywhere you have snow and ice on top of your car, remove it. Yeah. Okay, this weather advice brought to you by uh, Link and Alex's weather channel.com. Follow, follow, follow nationalsevereweather.com on Twitter yes. and YouTube. There you go. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Hopefully, 